Welcome to episode 292 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed listening to Stageworthy and you listen on Apple Podcasts, please consider rating the podcast with five stars. If you're so inclined, you can also leave a review. Your ratings and reviews help new people to find this show. And if you think that you know someone that you think will like Stageworthy, tell them about it. Some of my favorite podcasts became my favorites because someone I knew told me about them. And remember, you can find and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere you get podcasts. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website with the archive of all 292 episodes at StageworthyPodcast.com. And if you want to drop me a line, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PhilRickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. My guest this week is stage manager and now one of the hosts of the podcast Chewing Scenery, Sandy Becker. Chewing Scenery is a podcast in which two stage managers ruin all your favorite movies about theater by picking apart their inaccuracies. It is hilarious and wonderful. I mean, I, I kind of want to jump in sure. on your your new podcast, Chewing Scenery. Okay. And now in that podcast, why don't you describe what Chewing Scenery is uh, for me? Okay. Uh, well, our our intro is uh, the podcast where two professional stage managers ruin your favorite movies about film and TV by picking apart their inaccuracies. Because hmm. um, I was watching... Well, any movie that has theater in it uh-huh. ever. Uh, and I get increasingly frustrated because how does nobody on the film know how theater works? <laughs> and they never do. And it's always laughably stupid. And so I posted something on Facebook about mm. it. I was just like, what? Like, how is this? I get where they don't know, where like show business people don't know how surgery works or they don't know how a trial necessarily works like obviously there's things like this and with every portrayal of every career but presumably like there's a lot of crossover so presumably yeah. somebody on your film has worked on a play at some point and knows that the stage manager is not playing cards in the wing during the show <laughs> you know so it just it was it's very frustrating to me so then and i got like an insane response is the most comments I've gotten on anything I've ever posted on Facebook. So people obviously were with me. And, uh, and then Katarina Sekirko, who is another stage manager, a friend of mine was like, yeah, I really like podcasts and I really want to do a podcast. We should make this a podcast. And so <laughs> we've been recording. We've only released two so far, but we've recorded a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, um, and, I'm just yeah. going to say that, that having a bunch in the bank is super smart. Totally. Trust me on that. You would lose your mind. Like I start to panic if I get down to like just three episodes in the bank. Right. If I get down to one, I'm going to lose my mind because if I'm going week to week, I will never, I will never have peace of mind. I will just, it's just too stressful. So right. it's good to have things scheduled out. 
we find well we also are having and i mean like i say we cat is doing all the editing and all the because she is much more technically minded than i am and that's Mm -hmm. the part that she's more interested in so she's doing like hand to god way more work than i'm doing um (laughs) and uh i worry about her because i don't want to have this big backlog of editing for her to do because that would stress me out to have all these (laughs) but we have no schedule yet we're just like putting them out when we have time so um yeah but uh so we've recorded a bunch and we're working on editing our third one and um it's really fun it's just nice to in a place and time when we don't have theater jobs to go to Mm. it's nice to have a room to talk about it yeah now on the topic of 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 the whole like why do they get these things so wrong my own theory is that everybody who that uh, most of the people who are on that on that show know that it's all wrong well they must they just don't care i guess they just assume that the people who are watching the theater people whatever who cares about them what are right. they they're just they just assume that everybody else is stupid yeah, but like that's the part that if they have to make changes for like for to move their plot along faster or to mm. do that kind of stuff doesn't bother me as much. There's a no. lot of like, you know, to make it more dramatic, to make it more fun. Like the first episode that we did was on the movie Center Stage, which I don't know if you've seen it, but it's I I, I, I was I was forced to watch Center Stage a number of years ago <laughs> and so uh, it's it's <laughs> So by somebody who loves the film, genuinely understanding that it's terrible. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, in that in the the end, I was just my mouth was on the floor. My jaw was basically in my chest just being like, this is all impossible and stupid. Yeah. Yeah. But like I can. But again, it, like a lot of the things that were stupid about it made the plot move further like like sure yes, it's insane that somebody would replace somebody else in the show without anyone knowing about it and yes. yes that's completely ridiculous but i understand that that was necessary for the plot but it does it's not necessary for the plot for say when two people have to have a chat in the wing for them to be visible to the audience like that kind of stuff yes just like, just yeah. take two seconds to like be like step two steps further back so that it's conceivable that the people in the boxes can't see yes. you having this heated conversation like those little stupid things would not affect your film at all and it would make my head not explode <laughs> yes. can we do that but know. it's it's you know i you're totally right i get those moments where they're doing stuff that's basically essentially magic and you could never do that in a theater right for real but because this is film and we have to make it a little bit more "Quote unquote exciting for an audience that isn't watching it actually on stage, we have to cheat that way." But you're right. Things like the stage manager playing cards. Yeah, and that one. That yeah. one we have, that's that's from a movie called Our Friend. That is a fairly recent film, and mm-hmm. that's what sort of triggered it. Like I've had these moments a lot watching a lot of movies. Oh, sure. The one the one that we are recording tomorrow is a film called Opening Night. It's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Don't watch it. If you value your sanity at all, just don't watch this movie because your head will explode. But, uh, <laughs> but our friend is there's this these group of friends and they met doing a play together. And in one instance, the two of them are having a conversation. She's an actor in the show and he's on the crew and they're having a conversation and during rehearsal and he's operating the follow spot. 
and then cut to the performance and he's watching from the wing. And I was like, who is operating the fall spot? Why is he back there? <laughs> <laughs> so angry. <laughs> it's infuriating to me. It's like, that's what, what is happening? It's, and that's, and over his shoulder, you can see the stage manager sitting at a card table with a bunch of people playing poker. I'm like, there is a play happening guys. Is anybody working on the play? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's inexcusable. I really don't get how, like, again, like these are things. I think that somebody thinks that shit's really funny. Like, wouldn't it be funny if the stage manager was playing cards and somebody was like, "Yeah, sure, whatever," and that's what they do, yeah. and then the rest of us are just left to scratch our heads. <laughs> Maybe I, yeah, I just don't, I don't understand how it adds anything to the film. It's like, and it's always, it's not just theater things. It's watching movies. It's things like. um like things will pull me out of movies that like empty coffee cup acting. Oh God. Every, Oh my God. That is the cup. Just oh my God. It it makes me so crazy when I'm watching a TV show or a film or anything like that. And it is so obvious that that paper cup has nothing in it. It's so clear. It has a lid on it. Why don't you just put water in it? Because you can't act like it's full. So why don't you make it full? (laughs) Even don't, even even if it's if there's no like I don't care like put something in there we know yeah. how to carry stuff yeah you know but and every like, time you put an empty clearly... cup in somebody's hand on TV they're waving it around <laughs> like it's empty because it is I know. I know it's like all of these actors who've never held a coffee cup before like and and suitcase same with suitcases like mm. weight your suitcases down guys it yeah. just looks stupid yeah no yeah. absolutely <laughs> absolutely and those are those are those are things that that always 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 take me out of a film yeah um but also when i see films and this is you know i'm sure that 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 you would cover that you'll be covering this kind of thing is like a film about a movie that gets things wrong about a movie like yeah, you're that's doing a lot of things in a movie where you would not accept that in the movie that you're shooting yeah. Yeah. That's even weirder because all of those people work in movies, but we probably won't be covering that to be honest, because neither of us work in film. So <laughs> I don't feel like I'm qualified to comment on the same way, but uh, yeah, no, that it's just, it's just bananas to me that like, yeah. Yeah. Is there a film like as, as far as all of the films that you could cover, and I'm sure that some of these are really hurting your brain just to have to sit through and other <laughs> ones you're like being taken out of it for a second. Is there a film that's on your list? that's like, this is the pinnacle of everything that we're going to discuss. Is there, is there one oh, film that stands out? Opening night. <laughs> okay. I don't want to spoil our podcast episode too much because we haven't even recorded it yet, but this movie um, I watched it last year. It was recommended mm. to me by my very good friend, Melanie McNeil. I was living in my sister's house, nannying her kids because I was out of work. Um, and what I, I wasted an evening after the kids went to bed and I needed some alone time. And so Melanie said, watch this movie, your head will explode. And so I watched the movie and my head very nearly flew off my body. Four minutes into the movie, I was screaming. <laughs> it's so, it's a nightmare. Before, I am so goddamn curious about this movie oh, now. you have to watch and this you've, movie. You've it's, warned me not to watch it, but in the same breath, you've told me I have to. I know, I know. It's, you You have to watch it, but like, like watch it with a support animal or something. Like, it's just, yeah, the, the, the quintessential quote, and it happens in the first two minutes of the movie, so I'm not really spoiling anything, is one of our background dancers called in sick. Call Wicked and have them send over one of their spares. 
what? Okay. Okay. <laughs> and they're just giving people the impression that this is what happens in theater. Like it's oh, obviously sure. it's all over the top and the, the movie itself. I don't know what the movie's trying to be. It's trying to be a bit of a send up because the play that they're doing is, is objectively terrible. Mm. And like, obviously they're playing it for laughs and like, this is a terrible show, but like, it just doesn't, it's so completely wrong. Everything about it is so wrong. And you're following the main character who I think is supposed to be the stage manager, (laughs) but I have no, like, like I've looked it up online to try and figure out what his job is. He only has a name in the, in the credits. So I, it doesn't, it's toe for grace. And he's playing this guy who wears a headset, but that's all we know about him. <laughs> like it just doesn't make any mm. sense at all. His job is super ambiguous. Sometimes he's walking around holding a Fresnel and then sometimes he's calling cues, but only for like a minute. And then he can just wander around backstage during the show, not doing anything. Oh, no, there's a thing that's going to be like, if somebody's like calling cues and they're like, Oh, I got to go. And yeah. they walk off. It's just like, you don't get to leave. No, you finished the show. The lights are whatever. What's happening with the lights on stage right now? Yeah. Are there any films that come to mind where they got it right? Uh, I think I'd have I have to watch it again, but I remember when I watched Birdman. I was just thinking about Birdman. I had to take breaks because it was too real. <laughs> I remember sure. having to pause the film because there is an <laughs> encounter between a I don't know if it's a stage manager, director, and an actor that was very fraught and very tense. And I have had that conversation with an actor before. <laughs> and it was a little bit like it was, it was a bit triggery. So I had to turn it off and take a break. Yeah. I definitely remember Birdman being the kind of film where I was like, okay, somebody was paying attention in theater class. Cause this is, this is, this is, this is too close, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, I, but it's been a long time since I've seen it. And I know the movie itself is very fantastical and obviously people fly mm-hmm. and stuff, but um, yeah, <laughs> but I feel like it's a pretty decent portrayal of what goes on in a theater. In many ways, it might be one of the closest. You're probably yeah. right there. Yeah. Um, and other than that, I can't really think of a lot offhand because <laughs> they're all pretty bad. Yeah, we did 42nd Street. That was something else too. But that was sort of, that was when it's in black and white, you can forgive so much more. Like, I, just, I don't know why, but like the older the movie, the more I can forgive. Huh. That's, um, now that's kind of funny is because in many ways, those people were closer to theater than some of the people who were making movies. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah. But, uh, but also I don't know what was going on in theaters in the thirties. Maybe people were showing up to auditions in fur coats and monocles and carrying dogs. Maybe I, I but it seems silly to me. I need to believe that they were. <laughs> I hope so. I need to believe that somebody like an Ethel Merman or somebody of that stature was arriving in a fur coat with her dog and all sure. of that stuff. Absolutely. I need sure. it. I, great. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, as, as far as like this being a podcast, is there – aside from, from watching some of these terrible movies and then, and then finding out that a lot of people – have the same, you know, reaction to you and, and that had you considered a podcast before or was, or who, who brought up the idea of doing the, this as a podcast? Uh, the podcast was uh, my idea, but it's sort of half joking in this Facebook status. I need to make a podcast to talk about this. I really, um, it was sort of a combination of, I listened to some very nerdy, uh, 
like rewatch podcasts. Uh-huh. There's one of Beverly Hills 90210 that I enjoy very much called Again with This. Um, and I find that really funny. And I'd also seen there's, you know, there's YouTube videos of doctors watching ER and telling mm-hmm. you what's all wrong with it. And so I sort of, that was sort of floating around in my brain. But again, it was all just sort of a joke because I didn't think I actually had the follow through to, to do a podcast. And that's where lovely Katarina Sekirko comes in because she has all the follow through. <laughs> so <laughs> she's the one who's actually making it happen. Um, um, yeah. So I, yeah, it was, so it was, I guess it was my idea, but it was sort of half joking. <laughs> and, and, uh, now, were you were you a big listener of podcasts previously, or was that? Or, um, or, yeah. I wouldn't say a big listener of podcasts. I there are a few that I really love. I listen to the West Wing Weekly because I'm a huge nerd, and I listen to um, my dad wrote a porno and like <laughs> those ones. But that's pretty much it. But I'm not like a. I you know, you can't really go wrong with my dad wrote a porno. I, oh, I listened so to brilliant. like the first season, but now I think it's 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 so off the like I think you have to pay for those episodes now. Oh, really? But it was just so out there. Yeah, I've been sort of waiting to see if more were coming and there's not been any more coming out. And I don't know if, if Rocky stopped writing or what is happening. But uh, maybe Rocky Flintstone did stop start stop writing. It's hard to know. Hard to know. But yeah, yeah, I recommended that to people and like ruined their lives. Like a friend of mine laughed so hard he dropped his keys down a sewer grate one day. Like, <laughs> okay, I was going to say I don't think that you could ruin somebody's life, but there that that could at least ruin their day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> now, do you think that I mean ultimately there's only so many movies about theater? You would think. You would we think. I'm sure there's. We have a long list. <laughs> you have a long list. Okay. Okay. Uh, approximately, could you like ballpark how many? What number you have? Oh man, uh, there's. <laughs> I've, we're upwards of fifty for sure, and that includes some TV shows. Okay, because like, I was going to ask about TV yeah. shows too. Yeah, cause... I want. I really want to do an episode where we follow Joey Tribbiani's acting career through. Friends. Oh my god. <laughs> um. <laughs> There's a, there's a, in 90210, there's an arc where Brenda's in a play that I would really like to look at. Mm. Um, so yeah, and we ta- we've talked about the Streetcar Named Desire episode of The Simpsons. Obviously. Uh, yeah, so there's a few TV shows in there too. Nice, nice. Because I was going to ask about about uh, uh, Slings and Arrows and... and uh... That's another one that might be too hard to do because that one also quite accurate. <laughs> that oh, yeah, I know. That's ridiculous. Um, there's less to pick apart because they. Get there is it less right. to pick apart, but in some ways, it might be worth sitting in the shit to talk <laughs> about. Yep, nope, yep, that's. Sure. I'm sorry, but yes, that's true. You know. <laughs> yeah, the problem. The other problem with slings and arrows is that you know we try. Uh, so far, we've tried fairly hard not to name names in the industry, and slings mm-hmm. and arrows. There are so many characters on that show who are based on real people and it's pretty clear to me who they're based on <laughs> i think it's pretty clear to most of us who they're based yeah. on that's the yeah, thing but i don't want like if other people outside the industry are, are listening i don't necessarily want to out people i don't think they would care terrible i mean people. everybody who's in the industry already knows sure, i guess <laughs> yeah now this is sort of like uh uh you know you've you've been a stage manager for quite some time we talked quite a while, a while ago mm-hmm. about um a production you were working on with Eldritch Theater. You were in the room when I talked to uh, 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 um, Dylan, Dylan Trowbridge yep. about uh, uh, every brilliant thing. Every brilliant thing. Thank you. Yeah. I was going to say wonderful thing, but you know, brains. Um, every brilliant thing. Um, I think you piped in a couple of times there. 
And uh, so as a stage manager, you've, you've been pretty busy over the years. Um, How has, you know, this whole pandemic situation impacted you aside from the fact not working, like how, how are you getting through it? Um, it's been, I'm amazed at how not crazy I've gone. I really thought I would have, if you had asked me two years ago, okay, you're going to be out of work for 15 straight months and not able to do anything. What, Mm. how would you be? And I would have assumed that I would be in a deep depression, unable to function. Like I really thought, but I'm actually all right. Like Mm. things are going okay. I spent the first five months of it living with my sister and taking care of her kids. Um, And that was Mm. a challenge wonderful they're adorable children but they were three and five at the time and i'm Mm. not a parent Mm. and it's a lot to be thrown into (laughs) full time Mm. as it was 40 hours a week uh and then i lived there so it was not really just 40 hours a week no of course Um, not and uh yeah so that was that was quite an adventure and after five months of that they hired somebody and i left because it was too much um (laughs) (laughs) but uh but then once i got back after the couple of weeks of really really enjoying the solitude you know then i did all the things that everybody else did at the beginning of the pandemic pandemic where i like tried baking things and i did oh, all yeah. the, you know all the projects and i've you know tried to learn german <laughs> all this stuff all of the all of the make busy stuff that all everybody the, yeah, tried all the, all the busy work and then uh, now i've just sort of settled into this silly little routine of just like it's very uh, I feel like a, a 85 year old retired woman, you know, like I do a crossword puzzle every day and I like <laughs> go for, go for a walk after lunch and all that stuff. Um, but I'm not struggling as much as I thought I would be. I don't miss theater actively until, you know, somebody posts a picture of the opening night of come from away in Australia. And then I look right. at it and I cry for two hours like that. <laughs> Those moments, but I don't think about it every day where I'm like, Oh my God, I have to get back to work right now. Right. So, yeah. So apparently I could retire and I'd be all right. Well, one of the questions that I, I have for you is, is um, as far as, as you know, previous to this, you know, before all of that, were you like, were you on the go constantly? Is this, is this like a moment for, for a breath that you didn't quite have pre pandemic? I guess so. Yeah. I tried to think like, I think my longest stretch of unemployment before this was three months of unemployment. And that was years ago. Hmm. I've been pretty, my work has been quite steady. I get two weeks off here and there, which is mm-hmm. a great little refresh, like refresh button for me. Um, but yeah, I, I've been working quite steadily for a very long time. So this was, yeah. I, I mean, the circumstances in which it happened, obviously not welcome, but no. uh, the break itself has, is not a terrible thing. And I think I'm really, a- I'm lucky that I'm in a good position. I was in a, sure. a reasonable enough position financially that I didn't have to get, you know, a grocery store job or something else. Sure. I do think that there is something about, about this time that is in some ways educational mm-hmm. for a lot of us. Cause a lot of people have been on a treadmill of, of, uh, uh hustling. And and going constantly for however long they've been in the business. Mm. Um, I know people who've worked like four jobs and every evening they're out to some networking thing or some cold read thing and yeah. stuff like that. And it's constant, constant, constant. And 
the opportunity, I guess, in all of this, in this forced pause is the opportunity to, to learn what it feels like to stop yeah. and to think about taking care of yourself. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are, are struggling with not maybe struggling, maybe discovering whatever, but, uh, um, and I, I don't think it's just, it's just theater people, but I mm. think theater people more than some, uh, with our work is our identity in a lot of ways. Oh yeah. And so to figure out who you are without the work is a big deal. Sure. That's huge. Yeah. And for a lot of people, if you ask them, you know, describe yourself, the first thing they will say is I'm an actor, I'm a director, mm-hmm. I'm a playwright. That's the first thing out of their mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that comes from, that comes from having a job where you spend so much of your time not working for the money. Right. Like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> bankers, but also it's so encompassing. I don't think bankers have the same. Although bankers probably have, have a situation where they're defined by their wealth, but like, yes. Yeah. It's just a weird, it's, it's a weird situation to be in that I don't think anyone expected. And no, it's a reckoning for a lot of people, I think. But that whole, the whole, like that is my uh, identity that comes, I think that starts like, you know, it's first time that you start, you start thinking that you're going to be an actor. That's what you tell mm-hmm. everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. And then because you spend so much time, like you said, doing it for the love of it, um, that, that it becomes who you are. And I was talking just a little while ago with a, with a couple of actors who who are um, trying to come to terms with who are they and is is it worth staying in the business? Like if it could all go away like this so quickly, is it worth staying in the business? And 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 who are they if they don't? And yeah, all this stuff. These big questions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people, because they're finding for financial reasons that they can't afford to wait this out and they mm-hmm. are pivoting to, oh, I hate the word pivot, but they're, you know, <laughs> switching careers and sure, can they be as satisfied doing something else? And if they can be, oh, more power to them. Good for them. Holy cow. I think that's a big, that's <laughs> a big change though. Cause I think a lot of people who, who might be considering that switch worry about, oh, but what if I, what if I like that? Mm-hmm. other job like i like it but i love this right but if i like that and i like the money mm-hmm. what does that mean oh i know i did apply for one or two jobs like office jobs that i didn't even get interviews for but i had mm-hmm. i had those moments of just like i'm gonna hate this job but i'm not gonna hate the weekends <laughs> and i'm not gonna hate the money yeah and i'm not like i'm not gonna hate the ability to live above ground and all of that yeah. stuff like <laughs> that's my only real uh ambition in life is to live above the ground i want to graduate from fraggle to regular muppet that's like all i care about you know i recently did that i recently graduated (laughs) from from fraggle to muppet congratulations and uh uh, it's living above ground is a is a whole new world as the fraggles would say living in outer space that's something special man i know i uh that's the only thing i don't like about my apartment is that it's below ground one day you too could be uncle traveling man one day one day <laughs> it's going to take a little bit of financial recovery after this uh, year to get there but <laughs> yeah but i mean that's that's the that's the thing is is like for me years ago i decided that i was going to find a job i needed to mm-hmm. and i didn't not like the money right but then you have to go through a period of time adjusting and like figuring out can i still be artistic can I still be an artist? Can I still create work while also having a job? Right. And that can be a very difficult balance to strike, especially since a lot of jobs will let you put in a lot of time. Mm-hmm. 
if you don't if you don't erect boundaries around your work, yeah. they'll allow you. Oh yeah, I mean, well, look where we come from. Like, <laughs> I don't think any industry has that problem more than theater. No. <laughs> so. Well, I, you know, it's funny because I know a lot of people in 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 a lot of industries like they will celebrate the people who put in those extra hours. Oh yeah, in the office, a- like oh. Brenda and Tom, they worked until nine o'clock every night last week. Let's yeah. give them a hand in sales. They made those sales and they worked until nine o'clock, 12 hour days, you guys. Yeah. That's a, that's so, a capitalism problem. That's Yeah, that but that sends the message that that's what's expected, even though they could never ask you to do that. For sure. For sure. But exhaustion is a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But, you know. That's a toxic, toxic situation. 100%. One hundred percent. And you have to if you're going to go that route, you have to learn how to build fences around your work life and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we talked a long time ago about about, you know, what drew you to stage management. But um, for those who who, who aren't going to go back and listen to that episode because <laughs> uh, it was a couple hundred episodes ago, um, <laughs> would what was it that 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 made you? want to be a stage manager uh it was a little bit well it was a little bit of a reimagining of career goals already because i my initial plan was to be an actor um and that was not to be and i'm very very glad that that didn't turn out to be my life but uh yeah i i it was like a little community theater thing attached to uh, I was at York University and I auditioned for the show and they said, we don't have a part for you, but we need a stage manager. And I said, okay, what's that? <laughs> and <laughs> they, um, and I just sort of was thrust into this position and it was really hard. And by the end of it, I was like, oh no, but I can do this. And I mean, it didn't immediately just, I didn't immediately switch and go, okay, stage management forever. But it, <laughs> it sort of crept into the back of my mind as, oh, that's a job that I can do. And I'm decent at, and, um, and then as it just, as things progressed and that was the first professional job I got was ASMing at Port Stanley and it just sort of kept happening and it's, yeah, it's just better. It's a better circumstance for me because I can't imagine having been an actor and been able to say to you that for the last 10 years, I've only had three months of unemployment in a row. Like that's insane. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So this is clearly the better path as far as um, stability goes. And, and, and I'm the work, I find the work incredibly rewarding and I'm sort of a caretaker by nature. I'm very, Mm -hmm. uh, I've cat and I actually, we did a special episode of the podcast where we, talk about what the heck is a stage manager anyway just Mm. in case people didn't know and uh and we had this conversation of it's really problematic for me to say and i hate saying it but i've i have a fairly maternal personality Mm. but i don't want children and so it fulfills something in me (laughs) stage management fulfills a caretaker thing that is in me that uh i don't want to dedicate to 18 years of my life raising kids so Mm. yeah (laughs) I was, I was trying to explain to somebody because the people I work with, they don't, they're not theater people. And so Mm -hmm. it's a mystery to them, whatever this is. I happened to mention a stage manager and they were like, well, what is that? Right. And the first thing that I said was, well, the stage manager is God. Yes. The director is the boss and the, the producer pays your bills, but they're not around all the time. What the stage manager says, that is gospel. (laughs) That's a hard thing to, that's a hard thing to live up to though 
people say that all the time. And I'm like, ah, I, I would like the buck not to stop with me. <laughs> I, mean, I know you would, but a lot of times as a stage manager, that's kind of where it happens. Sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, sometimes stage managers end up inadvertently being like a tour manager or right. all of these extra things because it's got to get done. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a hard job to explain. And <laughs> I I was upset when they re-released the Muppet Show on the Disney, on Disney Plus because I watched it and I went, oh, I used to tell people I was Scooter and, I'm, and Scooter's not stage manager, Kermit is. No, Kermit's upset. a stage manager. Kermit's a stage manager slash host. Scooter <laughs> yeah. is just a gopher. I know, but I always thought, because he was always the one who said how, what, how much time there was. And oh. that's something to to look at in my podcast is how is every single episode he's like, Gilda Radner, 30 seconds to curtain. It's like, why are you telling me? Where's the five-minute call? What do you mean 30 seconds to Well, then I hope, that, I hope that the Muppets are on your list. They are, but that's another one that's going to be really hard to – it's too <laughs> ridiculous. It's too – and it's purposely ridiculous. Like, yes, that it one, is. Yes, that it one's is. a little bit harder to – I've thought about it, and I also love it so much that I would have a hard time criticizing it in any way. But I mean, Except you could just talk about how that, that how wildly, wildly racist. But that's another issue. Entirely. I mean, fortunately, the 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 Disney Plus ones put a warning in front of the ones that are okay. But they they do. But oh, this is such a weird tangent. But they they do. But they're confusing which episodes because some episodes they had the warning and I looked for the racism and couldn't find it. And then some episodes they didn't have the warning and I went, holy crap, they should have had the warning. Oh, okay. They should have. Wow. There's one hosted by Spike Milligan that I it should have gone wherever they sent Song of the South because that should never be seen by humans again. It was appalling. Oh, I can't believe they put that on there. They should have sent it's, that. They should have. Because they, they, they got rid of a couple. Song of the South. Yeah, they got rid of a couple. There was one that was hosted by somebody who was later, like, tr- became a sex criminal or was, like, right. they took right. that one out. And I think there's another one that they got rid of. But this one needed to go to because it's horrifying. Anyway. I mean, if you were <laughs> going to do the Muppet Show, at least yeah. if you were, you could probably dissect how, how the hell does that backstage area work? We could try. You could we give it a fan. shot. It might be a short episode, but you could give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, we could try. I just, how did Kermit wind up being the producer, the director, the host, and the stage manager all in one shot? No For the same reason that those old musicals are like, my dad's got a barn. Yeah, let's put on a show. And he just like <laughs> fell into all the things. Yeah, I guess so. But like, they rent it from that guy. There's a guy who owns, Scooter's uncle owns a theater. And how do they, how can they afford the rent? Like, I don't understand how any of this works. But No, you're right. I don't understand how any of that works because their <laughs> audience doesn't look that big. It's often quite half empty. Who knows how any of that actually works? I don't know what the finances of Muppet Theater is. Yeah, I don't know. They're always talking about how, it's it's very funny. I watched the whole thing recently. They're always talking about how much petty cash they have. And it's always like $12. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. I'm sure there's a lot of people in indie theater who are like, ooh, $12. $12. <laughs> <laughs> what we could do with $12. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, I would be remiss if I did not talk about Eldritch Theater. Sure. Because I'm a huge fan and <laughs> you do a lot of work with Eldritch Theater. I do. Um, how did you how did you fall in with that merry band of monsters? Uh, how indeed. I uh, I'd worked with Eric on a show Eric Wolf who is the who is Elders Theatre. Um, I worked with him on an unrelated show. He was just a puppeteer and actor on this other show. And we toured together and we got on really well. Um, and then he lost his stage manager. She left the business, I believe. Um, and uh, that, and his designer, Melanie McNeil, is also a friend of mine who I'd worked with in other places. And 
I think they had a conversation and they, everybody sort of, my name came up from like a few different directions and they went, okay. And so he just Facebook messengered me. He didn't even, <laughs> like it wasn't even a real email. He just sent me a DM. <laughs> it was like, Hey, what are you doing? And I, it was, it was one gig that turned into, um, I'm guess I'm the resident stage manager there. If that mm. such a thing exists now. Um, and yeah. And I, I actually have thought about that this year. Whereas if I had to give up, all of theater how could i find a job where i could do something full-time and take off the month of november to just do eric's shows because i don't think i could give that up because <laughs> <laughs> it's the best game in the world i mean i'm a, i mean one of the reasons I, there's a number of reasons why i i i i am a big fan of of, of eric wolf and eldritch theater but a lot of it is first off doing genre well mm. is really rare in the theater mm-hmm. And to pull off these strange, essentially magic tricks, like hour long or longer magic tricks, right? Of 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 immersing you in a world is is quite impressive to do. And the fact that his audience, he's got that magical thing of uh, m- many of his audience members, or in fact, I think the majority of his audience members are not people who normally go to the theater. Yes, definitely the majority. That's the only the only time working for him is the only shows where I do an opening night and I don't recognize a single person in the audience. Mm. <laughs> That's it's unbelievably rare. He's got this weird yeah, they're called the Cabal and like there's yeah, yeah it's it's spectacular. I often I I think you know, I I, I, sometimes I've said I actually do a master class in 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 audience retention because you know that audience is really devoted, and because they're not usually theater people. But I also think that 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 masterclass might be boiled down to just do things that people want to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Imagine that, hey? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do plays that are uh, fun to watch and yes, art yeah, and yeah. That's part of it. And, yeah. and do something that nobody else is doing. Like, I think that's, well, that's absolutely too, right. That you can't get what he does anywhere else. There's no. nobody else who can do. There's nobody else who can do what he does, which is part of the thing is that like <laughs> he complains sometimes that no, he, a bunch of his plays are published and nobody else ever produces them. And I'm like, well, find somebody else who can do magic tricks and be a puppeteer and perform the way, perform this genre in a way that isn't, um, mockery of the genre and like like find somebody else who understands and can pull that off i dare you <laughs> i mean there's got to be somebody but but the problem it's is rare. like they're there it's a rare combination of talents yeah yeah and find a team like you know the rest of us aren't necessarily coming either so like yeah <laughs> <laughs> so find find a designer who knows the aesthetic find a you know stage yeah. manager who knows how the magic tricks work find like that kind of stuff is that's that's a lot yeah. it's a lot to pull off so I have a question about knowing how the magic tricks work. Not to not to reveal anything. That's not the purpose of my question. Hurts. My question is, do you feel like your enjoyment is robbed by knowing how the magic tricks work? Uh, well, some of them I don't still know how they work. Um, I, it's a need-to-know basis sort of thing, where if there's something I have to be watching for, then I learn. And mm. what, rep- repetition, I sort of figure some of the principles out, but I still sure. don't 100% know how he does most of them. Um, 
And it's when that enjoyment, the, the, oh my God, how did you do that enjoyment gets taken away? It's replaced by another fun. It's a bit of a game for me to see if I can catch the thing Ah. where like, cause I, I, that's part of my job is to keep an eye on if he, like there's something specific that he does with his hand that the audience is not supposed to see. And I catch it. I I'm giving him notes on that. So, right. Um, so that's, it's a, it's a fun game for me to watch. And, you know, if I manage to figure one out on my own, I'm very proud of myself. So <laughs> <laughs> there's that too. Sure. Um, that said, oh, I shouldn't say this. Oh, if Eric ever listens to this, he's going to be so upset. But there's a, um, there's a movie uh, called In and of Itself. Uh-huh. That is a, a movie version of a play that's been running off Broadway for quite some time, directed by Frank Oz, I think. And uh, it is sort of sim- it has a lot of the similar like it's a it's a play that's moved along by magic tricks mm. um and he the guy and it does some of the same tricks that eric does oh and not to disparage eric but this guy like leaps and bounds a better magician <laughs> oh shit! So i was watching it and like i knew what he was doing i knew how he was doing it and i couldn't see it and i was like like alone in my living room going, holy shit. Is that just movie magic? He's better at it? Like what is. Oh no, that was, it was within one shot. And you oh, see, okay. like there were things that, <clears throat> that like I couldn't. Yeah. There's like some tricks where I, nobody else can tell, but I can see the way, the way Eric moves his hands to do one thing and to pretend to do that thing. If that makes sense. Like I can see the difference in his hands when he's doing. Sure. Tricks or not. And this guy, I knew the trick was happening and I could not see what, what he was huh. doing with his hands. Like it was really, it was very impressive and very fun to watch. But now speaking of, of magic and movies, mm-hmm. a lot of times when magic happens in movies, they cheat. Of course. You know, they, you know, nobody actually learns the trick. Right. They just cheat. Right. Um, and sometimes I don't even know if, if these movies are on your list because they're not quite theater, they're magic, but there's a theatricality to it. Mm. The Now You See Me films are maddening because <laughs> there is no goddamn way that any magician can do any of those tricks without right. the CGI. And how dare you try to convince me that they yeah. can. Uh-huh. I, I, I don't know that those movies are on our list because I don't feel like we know enough about magic. But mm-hmm. I can convince Eric to be a guest. You should probably <laughs> have, have Eric on because I, I, would, I, would, I, would, I would love to hear him rant. Oh, would you? I don't know. <laughs> it would go I, on for I, quite some about time. About that, I would love to hear him rant about that, <laughs> yeah. to be honest with you. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, listening. That's that's. I think that's part of why this, if if my podcast has any, our podcast has any appeal or not. Um, but if it does have any appeal, I think something, there's something really gleeful about listening to somebody who knows a lot about a thing. Yell and scream about how other people don't know a lot about the thing. Like absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Just... There's there is certainly something about like I was just listening. I think I'm maybe about halfway through the center stage uh, episode, uh-huh. and just the the gleeful frustration because I know you both love that film. <laughs> um, one of us loved it more. Than one me. of you loves that film. <laughs> it's ridiculous and terrible, yeah. and I can hear. There's almost a joy in like how bad the theater world is in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's joyful. That's the and, and opening night again is the uh, the epitome of that. That's like mm. the joyful rage. Of, 
how can they they're hurting the thing that I love. Why? What? Who hurt you? Opening night. Why did you do this? Yeah, yeah it's opening night. Okay, I'm writing it down. <laughs> Even though you've told me both, both no, don't movie. watch it, but also watch it. I'm, I'm just, I'm just trashing this movie, and it's like I, I don't know whose idea it was. I don't know. It's got names in it. Like there, none of them are like Meryl Streep, but like. Like it's got people that you would recognize. There's the Topher Grace is the lead, and it's got Anne Hache is in it, and Rob mm. Riggle, and um, Tay Diggs is in it. Like there's like real actors, but it's just really bad. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh. they can't all be winners. No. But I just like I wonder how those actors feel in that movie because like Tay Diggs is a Broadway guy, right? Like he's been in. He was I think he was one of the original cast members of Rent. Like he. Yeah. He knows that this. I is think at right. a certain. I think at a certain point, as an actor in one of those films, you have to. I think you just have to go. This is the film. Yeah, this is the movie I'm in. I guess I you just have to tell yourself in. in the world of this film, this is how theater works. Yeah, yeah. And to be fair, he commits. Like good on him. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's given her, but it's right. not good. <laughs> so if we were to go, sequences. if we were to go looking for. Chewing scenery. Where would we find it? Uh, it's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify. It's on all of the usual places. Excellent. Um, yeah, there is another. I've discovered there is another podcast called Chewing the Scenery. That mm. is, I think, about horror movies. That's not us. Oh. No, that's <laughs> not you. You're chewing, no chewing chewing scenery. scenery. Yeah. Is there is there a Twitter? Is there a, uh, a no, website we're or terrible. no? Okay. We have not gotten that far yet. We're brand new. <laughs> that's all good. That's all good. Well, Sandy, thank you so much for talking. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me.